Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Submission to Authorities, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Welcome to our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in 1st and 2nd Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Submission to Authorities Part 1, August 29th, we examined 1st Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Of obvious note was the issue of taxation and how we are simply to pay any and all levied taxes. We noted, too, the reference to free men and women and slaves. Remember, in biblical times, all societies of that day were two-tier social structures. Those who were well-off as well as free and those who are commonly referred to as slaves. Today, society has progressed beyond this two-tier social design by working hard and still working hard to remove this form of discrimination. So, do not let the biblical references to free and slave or master and slave prevent you from learning what the Bible has to offer you. Many times, such relation in the Bible is for the education of the listener or, today, the reader. So, even though your Bible speaks this way, it is the lesson, the bottom line, derived from the social example depicted in our Bibles. This week, we continue with what Peter is saying as he now explains what he said in verses 13 through 17. That verse range was a summary first, and the explanatory text is now second. First, let us glean some understanding of how the words master and slave are being used here in Scripture. The Greek word here used is not the same which is employed in Ephesians. The word here means properly domestics, those employed about a house, or living in the same house. Those persons might have been slaves, or might not. The word would apply to them, whether they were hired or whether they were owned as slaves. The word should not and cannot be employed to prove that slavery existed in the churches to which Peter wrote, and still less to prove that he approved of slavery or regarded it as a good institution. The word here rendered masters is not the same which is used in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Neither of these words necessarily implies that those who were under them were slaves. The word here used is applicable to the head of a family, whatever may be the condition of those under him. It is frequently applied to God and to Christ, and it cannot 
being maintained that those to whom God sustains the relation of master are slaves. The word indeed is one that might be applied to those who were owners of slaves. If that be the meaning here, it is not said. However, that those to whom it is applied were Christians. From Barnes New Testament Notes. As you can see here, master is most applicable to the head of a family. Whatever the condition of those under him is with regard to rank, even as a slave, is not counted in the meaning of master here defined as the head of a family. Clearly, associating or defining the word slave as one indentured as such is of greatly limited possibility here in Scripture and commentary. As you can also see, the words carry a modern weight that is little applicable to the passage we are reading here in 1 Peter. We also have no clear understanding of what is in Peter's mind with regard to the usage of the words master and slave at first glance without some investigation. It appears that the strongest meaning of Peter by using the words master and slave is in regard to our relationship to God our Father. While we have an unprecedented degree of freedom, we are, in a strange way to the modern mind, also obliged to our master, God, our Father, and we are identified as slave. Bottom line, while our relationship with God is one of immense freedom, the dedication one to another is the same as that of a master and slave. The impressively big difference here is that we choose the notion of slavery to God our Father as Scripture says we do. Hence, the use of these terms for ease of understanding what was being taught in the day by Peter and others in the Bible, due to all societies of that day being socially two structures, wealthy and poor, master and slave. Those who were wealthy were socially free and generally the rulemakers for the society they lived in. The poor, for the lack of most everything in those days, were obliged as slaves of the wealthy in order to have sustaining life. Only hired slaves received some sort of payment for work they rendered. This is why so many biblical writers of those days made comparisons this way because of how easily, in those days, such things were written of and how they would be easily understood. Hopefully, that small lesson gives you some understanding of what is being said in your Bible. With this greater understanding, our passage reads, Slaves, be subject to your masters with all reverence, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are perverse. For this finds God's favor, if because of conscience toward God someone endures hardship in suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if you sin and are mistreated and endure it? 
But if you do good and suffer and so endure, this finds favor with God. For to this you were called, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When he was maligned, he did not answer back. When he suffered, he threatened no retaliation, but committed himself to God who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we may cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have turned back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18-25 through 25. This passage could turn one off quickly if one is offended by word usage. Hopefully, my very basic study of word usage here has helped you in this regard. So, take heart. Listen to the whole passage to see what Peter is really saying here. Free and slave, master and slave, is being used as a then, modern example of what Peter is trying to relate to his audience of listeners. We now call ourselves modern-day readers with significantly more sophistication. Yet, Peter is neither speaking of only masters or slaves. He is not criticizing or taking sides with one or the other. He is using this social condition of Peter's days to properly relate what he is really saying in analogous way. Peter is speaking more to the relationship of master and slave in the way it relates to our relationship with God our Father and us. The relationship is that close. The level of dedication is also that close. That is what is being spoken of by Peter. With that specifically in mind, let's see what Peter was telling his audience of the day so we can glean a new understanding and knowledge. This was another notion of the Jews, that because they were the seed of Abraham, they ought not to be the servants of any, and particularly such as were believers in Christ, thought they ought not to serve unbelieving masters, nor indeed believing ones, because they were equally brethren in Christ with them. Hence, the Apostle Peter, here, as the Apostle Paul frequently elsewhere, inculcates this duty of servants to their masters. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. We should clearly see here that as free men and women of God, Peter and Paul, inculcates, meaning to impress something upon the mind of another by frequent instruction or repetition, or to instill this duty of servants to their masters. We must therefore understand this is a metaphor, meaning we need to serve God with the same degree of dedication that a slave served his master in the day. 
God being our master of whom we serve using the same dedicated means. This is what is really at the heart of Peter's communication here. Again, in the day, it was a reasonable tool to teach with. Continuing, with reverence to their persons, strict regard to their commands, faithfulness in any trust reposed in them, diligence in the discharge of their duty, and carefulness of offending them, and all this, not only to the good and gentle, those that are good-natured, kind, beneficent, and merciful, that do not use them with rigor and severity, are moderate in their demands of service, require no more to be done than what is reasonable, allow them sufficient diet, give them good wages, and pay them duly, but also to the froward, the ill-natured, morose, and rigorous, who exact more labor than is requisite, give hard words and harder blows, withhold sufficiency of food from them, and keep back the higher of their labors. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible Can you see the analogy here that Peter is making that, for those in that day, makes perfect sense? It has to be obvious, if not growing so. This is not about masters and slaves, then or now. It is about masters and slaves as a learning tool even in the day of which society was made of only two people classes. This means we are 100% free in Christ. The Bible tells us this. Our service to Him, Christ, is as a slave to Him, a master, with respect to our servitude and reverence. We do not and should not take our lives and servitude to Christ as saved men and women in Him with a cavalier attitude. This is why, especially in the day, this analogy made learning from Peter an easy thing. Do you not today use analogies to help people learn what you are trying to teach them or tell them? Yes, you do. I know of no one that does not speak analogously at some point in their relating something to others who find it difficult, at first, to understand. Now, verse 19 reads, For this finds God's favor. If because of conscience toward God, someone endures hardships in suffering unjustly. This opens, for the modern mind, a whole new list of grievances because it can be caused, today, by other things than simply analogous master and slave issues. This is to the fact that we, today, do suffer unjustly or injustice to us. When we do, we go to whatever resource that we can use to remediate justice for such injury caused by suffering unjustly. Here, the Bible, Peter, is quite definitively speaking to this. 
this can easily and quickly open a whole new avenue of discussion as to the whys and why nots that are both valued discussion to many. However, this is not the point in this passage. This is the first of three points Peter is making to his audience, and now as readers, Peter makes his first point in the next verse. I am getting ahead here, so let us continue to examine verse 19. There is a clear distinction here with regard to masters. Only two types are mentioned, the good ones which are good-natured, kind, beneficent, and merciful, that do not use them with rigor and severity, are moderate in their demands of service, require no more to be done than what is reasonable, allow them sufficient diet, give them good wages, and pay them duly. Then there are other masters that are ill-natured, morose, rigorous, who exact more labor than is requisite, give hard words, and harder blows, withhold sufficiency of food from them, and keep back the higher of their labors. If you haven't picked up on it yet, you should be seeing a spiritual degree to these two types of masters. Because we have Christ as a master, and we have Satan as another master. In either way, we are slaves of one or the other. These two very different master types are being used in the form of analogy to make this point in verse 20, which reads, For what credit is it if you sin and are mistreated and endure it? But if you do good and suffer and so endure, this finds favor with God. Scripture, or Peter is, using for his day a commonality of masters and slaves to drive home a spiritual understanding which we find the first of three here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. The point is not about being mistreated or not. The point is in the answer to Peter's question here in verse 20. For what credit is it if you sin and are mistreated, and endure it. You see, sin is the issue here and how it affects one's quality of life in service to God. Peter also tells us this in verse 20. But if you do good, and suffer, and so endure, this finds favor with God. Today, Many of us would consider this suffering wrongfully a bad issue desiring some form of immediate remediation. After all, why would God grant us favor for suffering wrongfully in any matter? Maybe this next examination can help us better understand. Suffering wrongfully, suffering injury, or where there is injustice, this, though a general remark, has particular reference to servants and to their duty in the relation which they sustain to their masters. In view of what is here said, we may remark, 
1. That if this has reference to slaves, as have been usually supposed, it proves that they are very liable to be abused, that they have little or no security against being wronged, and that it was a special and very desirable characteristic of those who were in that condition to be able to bear wrong with a proper spirit. It is impossible so to modify slavery that this shall not be the case, for the whole system is one of oppression, and there can be nothing that shall effectually secure the slave from being ill-treated. 2. It would follow from this passage, if this refers to slavery, that is a very hard and undesirable condition of life. For that is a very undesirable condition where the principal virtue, which they who are in it are required to exercise, is patience under wrongs. Such a condition cannot be in accordance with the gospel and cannot be designed by God to be permanent. The relation of parent and child is never thus represented. It is never said or implied in the scriptures that the principal virtue to which children are exhorted is patience under wrongs, nor, in addressing them, is it ever supposed that the most prominent thing in their condition is that they would need the exercise of such practice. And three, it is acceptable to God if we bear wrong with a proper spirit from whatever quarter it may come. Our proper business in life is to do the will of God, to evince the right spirit however others may treat us, and to show, even under excessive wrong, the sustaining power and the excellence of true religion. Each one who is oppressed and wronged, therefore, has an eminent opportunity to show a spirit which will honor the gospel, and the slave and the martyr may do more to honor the gospel than if they were both permitted to enjoy liberty and life undisturbed. From Barnes' New Testament Notes First, notice that not once but twice our commentator said this. 1. If this has reference to slaves, as has been usually supposed, and two, it would follow from this passage if this refers to slavery. I think it is clear to understand that this passage of Scripture, speaking specifically of only slavery, is, at best, doubtful. Commentary then makes some very good points. One, it was a special and very desirable characteristic of those who were in that condition to be able to bear wrong with a proper spirit. No matter the outcome today, do you bear wrong with a proper spirit, even if working it out and making it right? And two, 
it is acceptable to God if we bear wrong with a proper spirit from whatever quarter it may come. An interesting comment by commentary. Again, we see that we should bear wrong with a proper spirit, regardless of where that wrong may come, regardless also of whether we are working in some way to make that wrong in our own eyes and mind right. How do we bear wrong with a proper spirit? Our proper business in life is to do the will of God, to evince the right spirit, however others may treat us, and to show, even under excessive wrong, the sustaining power and the excellence of true religion. True religion meaning the faith in Christ we claim and tell others we also observe. Here, in such a means, is a great test of how we evince our faith and walk in Christ. Next week, our episode is titled, Submission to Authorities, Part 3. We will continue to find greater definition of what our Bible is telling us about submitting to authorities. We will examine further that this is not an issue of race, but an issue of properly living our lives in Christ. Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you would want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. 
We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our website is located at this address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.